They want this confirmation done by any means necessary, it appears at this point. Facts be damned. Facts be damned. Trump 2020. This should be a slogan. From Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on KSO, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WTPA, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, in Round Mountain, California on KKRN, in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening convenience on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. Feels like eight days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Staying focused, staying focused, staying focused. Desi Doyen, don't say anything to me. I'm staying focused. <laughs> okay, I won't say anything okay, to you. Okay, <laughs> you can say anything you want to me. But uh, trying to stay focused here. Voter excitement, if that's the proper word for it, I don't know. Uh, surrounding the midterm elections is as high as ever, CNN reports today. That on the heels of last week's National Voter Registration Day, which we discussed last Tuesday, I think it was. Yes. D- don't talk to me, Desi. I'm sorry, oh, you're sorry. right. Sorry. Staying sorry. focused. <laughs> 2018, 2018's National Voter Registration Day, it seems, broke its previous record of 771,000 new registered voters uh, last week, as more than 800,000 people registered on National Voter Registration Day in preparations for the uh, for the midterms. It's noteworthy here. Uh, CNN doesn't uh, highlight this, but that previous record of 771,000 voters uh, registering on National Voter Registration Day. That was in 2016. That was a presidential election. This new record smashed that one, even though this is only, only in quotes, I guess, a midterm election, which is uh, coming up in just over four weeks now. No one in our shop anticipated us crossing the 800,000 voter registration mark, said Brian Miller, the executive director of the nonprofit Vote.org, who coordinates National Voter Registration Day. The initial goal was just 300,000 registered voters. So uh, an extra half a million, 500,000 voters came as a surprise to organizers, blew them away, in fact, 
Miller, the uh, spokesperson, said you can see all the poll data. A lot more people are paying attention to these midterms than you normally would have in a midterm cycle. Boy, howdy, are they? Andrew Feldman, spokesman for Rock the Vote, which worked in partnership on the drive, focusing on young voters, called the success of National Voter Registration Day, quote, absolutely critical for our democracy. He said it means that folks are engaging in our democracy and they get to have a real say. We have seen so much engagement and activism in the last couple of years. That is fantastic, he says, but to really have a say in our democracy... You have to get out and vote. You also have to be able to vote and to have your vote counted, counted accurately, and in a way that we can all know that it's been counted accurately. Don't know if Rock the Vote has a uh, recommendation to fix that problem in this country, but I will be speaking a little bit more about that with two, uh, two guests in a bit who do have some recommendations there. Folks from an election integrity organization that is now being threatened with a lawsuit by the nation's largest voting machine company, the horrible ESNS, because they have dared to post voting system instruction manuals on their website in hopes of helping election officials and the public to use a crucial security feature that is available on these systems. Yes, that's how Bass Ackwards, the privatization of our uh, public elections, have become. But we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Voter registration for the midterms as of today is still open in all states, but um, not for long. A fair amount of those states do not allow registration within 30 days before an election. So in about one third of the states, uh, October 9, this coming Tuesday, will mark the last day to register to vote in those about roughly uh, one third of the states. If you're not registered to vote, and I still talk to people who incredibly are not, and I'm not even talking about young people, but older folks who have never voted incredibly enough, now would be a fantastic time to uh, to fix that problem. If you are a registered voter, here's your near daily reminder to make sure you are registered to vote as you think you are and that you haven't been knocked off the rolls as there are plenty of dirty tricks in store right now between now and Election Day by at least one major party. Uh, who might uh, be feeling a little bit desperate right around now to try and save themselves in any way that they could possibly think of. Yeah, and it's also your near daily reminder from me to please help out your family and friends, especially young people who may not even realize that they have to register to vote. This is all new stuff to them, so help them out. Plenty of folks have been purged from the rolls since the last presidential and last midterm elections. Uh, legitimately or otherwise, so hopefully you're not one of them. So check with your Secretary of State website or your county website for information on how to register or to check your registration for accuracy. Uh, The last day to uh, register to vote will actually be Sunday, October 7, in Alaska and Rhode Island. On Tuesday, uh, October 9, last chance for Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, Michigan, uh, which has no online registration. Mississippi doesn't either. Missouri, you can um, still register until, well, Wednesday, October 10. Montana has no online registration. Nevada, New Mexico, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, and Texas, 
which also, for some reason, has no online registration. Huge state. Some people have to drive hours to be able to register. I suspect that's no accident. Yeah, that's, I think, maybe a feature, not a bug of the Texas Secretary of State. Utah ends uh, their uh, registration by mail on uh, Tuesday, October 9. You can still register in person until the end of October. But yeah, that's a lot of states. That's about 20 states that are going to shut off registration by next Tuesday. So help folks out. Well, I uh, uh, I guess we, uh, speaking of desperation and uh, crumbling democracy, I guess we now know at least one more reason why Mitch McConnell wants to hold a vote in the Senate for disgraced and dishonest U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh as soon as possible. He's hoping to do so before the president of the United States makes things even worse for this nominee who... At this point, given his record of lies and belligerence and, yes, multiple credible accusations of sexual assault, shouldn't even be allowed on the grounds of the Supreme Court, much less sitting on its bench with a lifetime position. And as I was explaining that, I suddenly realized I better make clear I'm talking about Brett Kavanaugh, not the president of the United States, though each of those things applies to him as well. (laughs) The uh, Senator Jeff Flake Senator Lisa of Arizona, Senator uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, and Senator Susan Collins of Maine, all Republicans and key undecided or supposedly undecided votes on the uh, confirmation of Kavanaugh, criticized Donald Trump on Wednesday for mocking a woman who has accused Kavanaugh of sexual assault, calling the president's performance appalling and just plain wrong, Addressing a uh, rally on Tuesday night in Mississippi, Trump imitated and ridiculed Christine Blasey Ford, who claims Kavanaugh assaulted her when they were in high school. The crowd laughed and applauded uproariously because this is your Republican Party now. I'll spare you the audio of Trump doing that. You're welcome. But here was Arizona Senator uh, Jeff Flake. His response when asked about it on NBC's Today Show Wednesday morning. There's no time and no place for remarks like that. But to discuss something this sensitive uh, at a political rally is just uh, it's just not right. It's just not right. I wish he hadn't have done it. Um, I just say it's it's kind of appalling. Kind of appalling. Uh, you still going to vote for him, though, Senator? Meanwhile, Senator uh, Senator Collins, for her part, said Trump's comments were, quote, just plain wrong when she was asked Wednesday morning how the president's comments would affect her vote. She did not, however, directly answer the question uh, about how it might impact her vote on Kavanaugh. But I'd like to think it didn't help. I could be wrong there, frankly. Collins would hate to find herself on the opposite side of Trump and his snarling band of angry, ugly supporters during a potential primary election when she's up for re-election in 2020, I'm guessing. We'll see if she can find it in herself to put her country over, well, over herself in this case. And uh, for her part, Senator Murkowski from Alaska, who is not up for re-election until 2022, Uh, She told reporters, quote, I am taking everything into account. The president's comments yesterday mocking Dr. Ford were wholly inappropriate and, in my view, unacceptable, she said. Unacceptable enough to keep her from voting in favor of Kavanaugh? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, Flake, Murkowski and Collins, along with 
Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and Heidi Heitkamp have not yet publicly said which way they will vote on the final confirmation vote. But if all votes, uh, all Democrats vote no and just two Republicans join them, Kavanaugh's nomination nightmare will be over. But that remains a lot of ifs at this point. Last week, Senator Flake, you'll recall, dramatically forced an FBI investigation into the allegations against Kavanaugh before agreeing to advance his nomination anyway out of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, what the FBI investigation will end up looking like, uh, or if we'll even ever see it, if the public will ever see it, or even if senators ever will. That remains a mystery at this hour and the source of still a number of conflicting Reports NBC says more than 40 people with potential information into the sexual misconduct allegations against Kavanaugh have not been contacted by the FBI. That, according to multiple sources, and that includes friends of both the nominee and his accusers. The uh, Bureau is expected to wrap up their investigation background uh, as early as Wednesday into the uh, into two allegations of sexual assault against uh, Kavanaugh by Kavanaugh, one from Christine Blasey Ford, the other from Debbie Ramirez, but reportedly not the one made by Julie Swetnick. Sources close to the investigation, as well as a number of people who know those involved, say that the FBI has not contacted dozens of potential corroborators or character witnesses more than 20 individuals who know either Kavanaugh or Ramirez uh, who has accused the nominee of exposing himself to her while they uh, attended uh, while the two were both at Yale University more than 20 individuals have not heard from the FBI despite attempts to contact investigators that would include Kavanaugh's roommate at the time and a former close friend of Ramirez, a senior U.S. official, and other sources confirmed to NBC News that the FBI's work on Kavanaugh uh, remains significantly limited in scope and that its unlikely agents will be allowed to interview many, if any, uh, additional witnesses before the probe wraps up this week. One current and two former FBI officials confirmed to NBC that dozens of witnesses have come forward to, NB to uh, FBI field offices who say they have information, but agents have not per been permitted to talk to many of them. Internally, the Bureau is concerned that uh, the constraints of the investigation could damage its reputation for finding the truth, according to these officials, as well, they should be concerned. Uh, Ramirez's attorney tweeted on Tuesday that the FBI, quote, is not conducting or being permitted to conduct a serious investigation. He added, we are not aware of the FBI affirmatively reaching out to any of those witnesses. He was citing some uh, 20 individuals that Ramirez had pointed the FBI to who uh, might be able to corroborate her story in some fashion. As of this hour, the FBI has not bothered or been permitted, reportedly, to even interview Dr. Christine Ford, uh, Blasey Ford herself. If they do, uh, according to reports, they would also then need to interview Brett Kavanaugh, who for some reason the White House and the Senate really doesn't want to see interviewed by the FBI for some reason, perhaps because he's a congenital liar. 
attorneys for Ford said on Tuesday that she had not been interviewed by the FBI. She received no response after reaching out again to the Bureau. Uh, There are nearly 20 people with potential information about Dr. Ford's allegation that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her while the two were in high school. Julie Swetnick, who has accused Kavanaugh of being at parties where boys took turns having sex with inebriated girls in high school, has not been interviewed by the FBI, according to her attorney. Ramirez appears to be the only accuser who, who was interviewed as part of the current investigation. But just one example of potential witnesses not interviewed by the FBI, at least as of today. Uh, Richard O., who lived in the suite where the alleged incident at Yale took place, where Ramirez says Kavanaugh exposed himself to her. He told NBC News that he has tried to contact the FBI twice, once online and once in person. He called the first time on Saturday morning. He struggled to get through. He then submitted his information online, reached a person at the bureau over the uh, over the phone on Sunday morning. Now, he was quoted in The New Yorker as hearing a female student recount the incident to another female student. He said he didn't know Ramirez, but the account of what he heard that night matches her story. He is now an emergency room doctor in Northern California. Seems like his testimony would be noteworthy here, but the FBI either doesn't want to or has not been allowed to talk to him. Senate Majority uh, Leader Mitch McConnell uh, reiterated once again that he plans to hold a vote, a final vote on Kavanaugh this week, no matter what. And one more reason why Republicans want this over with as quickly as possible, uh, I suspect even those who were previously on record as supporting Kavanaugh have begun retracting that support following his belligerent, explosive, conspiratorial, shockingly partisan testimony in the uh, Senate uh, Judiciary Committee last Thursday. Law classmates and clerks of Kavanaugh have written to the Senate Judiciary Committee to retract their previously voiced support for Kavanaugh, according to Huffington Post. Two of Kavanaugh's law school classmates wrote to say that they are, quote, withdrawing their support, unquote, due to Kavanaugh's behavior during his testimony. They said, quote, under the current circumstances, we fear that partisanship has injected itself into Judge Kavanaugh's candidacy. That and the lack of judicial temperament displayed at the September 27 hearing cause us to withdraw our support. And three former clerks who worked for Brett Kavanaugh, wrote to the uh, committee earlier this uh, year. They had written expressing support initially for his nomination. They have now written to clarify that they are, quote, deeply troubled by the allegations against him. In a letter to the judiciary panel, the three former clerks wrote, quote, in early July, we joined letters to this committee describing our positive experience with the judge, Over the weekend, the committee publicized quotes from those letters, creating the impression that they were responsive to the serious allegations raised in the last weeks. We write to clarify, however, that like many Americans, we have been deeply troubled by those allegations and the events surrounding them and were encouraged by the initiation of a formal FBI investigation. We hope for the good of everyone involved that the investigation will be independent and thorough. 
but they remain deeply troubled and don't like the fact that they're being uh, cited by the Judiciary Committee in support of Kavanaugh. Well, they can keep hoping uh, as far as that FBI investigation goes. Uh, For the moment, that does not appear to be the case. I hope I am wrong. One thing I have been uh, wishing I was wrong about for more than a decade now, however, is the vulnerability of our voting systems, uh, which is already in use right now for early voting in the midterm elections in many states and will be in very heavy use, I suspect, on November 6th. I also wish I was wrong about the dangers posed by the takeover of our theoretically public election systems by private companies and vendors. One of those private vendors, the nation's largest, ESNS, which supplies computerized voting and tabulation and registration systems in more than half of the country, they are now, I should say, uh, once again now threatening election integrity advocates for daring to inform the nation about their horrible, insecure systems. Staying focused here or trying to, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with that story and some of the folks now being threatened with a lawsuit by ESNS. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You know, it's always fun this time of year, Desi Doyen, in an election year when mainstream corporate media outlets come out with their exposés on the dangers posed uh, to our public elections by electronic voting and tabulation systems. And all the things that they get wrong. Yes, well, there's that, but uh, they're reporting on it, but they wait until, you know, just weeks before the elections. These systems are used in all 50 states. They're made by and leased from private companies like ESNS, the nation's largest vendor. But they come out, you know, just weeks before an election when it's by and large too late to do anything about it and about these problems. Happens every two or four years. And I have to complain about it every two or four years. Um, At least it's happened over the 15 years or so that I've been covering the issue damn near every day, it feels like, at at bradblog.com and here on the Bradcast. So we're now seeing that flurry, that last minute flurry yet again. We'll see more of them between now and November 6th. Uh, There was a big, an excellent piece in the New York Times on Sunday from Kim Zetter. She's been on this beat for years uh, at a number of uh, other outlets. And uh, so, good. I'm glad that it's out there. I wish it, you know, wasn't at the last minute. And then there's this one uh, late last week from Wall Street Journal. Rupert Murdoch owned Wall Street Journal. Election machines used in more than half of the United States carry a flaw disclosed 
more than a decade ago that makes them vulnerable to a cyber attack, according to a report delivered Thursday on Capitol Hill. The issue was found in the widely used ESNS Model 650 high-speed ballot counting machine. It's paper ballots made by election systems and software uh, LLC, the nation's leading manufacturer of election equipment. It is one of about seven security problems in several models of voting equipment described in the report based on research conducted in August at the DEFCON Hacker Conference in Vegas. The flaw in the ESNS machine stood out because it was detailed in a security report commissioned by Ohio Secretary of State in 2007. According to Harry Hursty, an election security researcher who co-wrote both the Ohio report in 2007 and the DEFCON reports, he said, quote, there has been more than plenty of time to fix it. Well, there has been more than plenty of time to fix it and to report on it, as we have for years. Uh, Hursty, Harry Hursty, has uh, become a good friend of mine since he first exposed the huge security flaws in Diebold's touchscreen and paper ballot optical scan systems back in 2005. Now, I've never, I don't think I've ever had him on air because he's got a really heavy accent. <laughs> yes. I did interview him uh, with uh, subtitles in the award-winning documentary Murder, Spies, and Voting Lies, the Clint Curtis story, way back when. We had to put captions on there, though, subtitles, so we could understand them. Anyway, see votinglies.com for more if you're interested in that film. Uh, and you can see a, a very young me. Uh, anyway, uh, while the ESNS Model 650 is still being sold on the ESNS website, a company spokesperson said it stopped manufacturing the systems back in 2008. The machine does not have advanced security features of more modern modern systems, he said. But ESNS believes, quote, the security protections on the M650 are strong enough to make it extraordinarily difficult to hack in a real-world environment. Now, so close enough for American democracy, I guess. Close enough. Voting security took on urgency, the uh, journal reports, following the 2016 election when Russian hackers were accused by U.S. intelligence agencies of various types of electronic meddling in the presidential election. Though I will add, you could go back more than a decade on bradblog.com and find my warnings of exactly that. Yes, the threat posed by foreigners and, yes, the threat posed by American insiders to our election system. The threats of both still persist to this day, and the machines found vulnerable more than a decade ago will still be used in all 50 states in November. ESNS has said it considers cybersecurity a top priority. However, the company did not employ a senior cybersecurity official until April of this year year oh no oh yes uh the defcon report among other vulnerabilities describes several techniques that hackers could use to get remote access and for example change a vote count but this 11 year old flaw um well you can read it at wall street journal you can read it in the defcon report you can read it back at brad blog uh more than a decade ago uh it, it will it will allow counties without even realizing it to infect their own system with hardware brought bought off of ebay which is where they now buy the uh memory cards to use on these old machines 
So why worry? Uh, in an interview back in August, Christopher uh, Lashen, a uh, ESNS vice president of system security, said there is value in so-called white hack or ethical hacking. But what I'm not in favor of is submitting hardware and software and source code to anonymous people. Never mind the fact that you can go out online. He was talking about the DEF CON uh, where, you know. 11-year-olds can hack these uh, systems in minutes' time. But you can go online. You can buy any of these machines on eBay. The spokesperson said the company has been dedicated to the security of our nation's elections since its founding 40 years ago and proactively evolves security practices as threats evolve. They are, of course, lying uh, witness the fact that the uh, M650, uh, which has failed in election after election, by the way, we've been reporting on the, that as well, that's still on sale at, by ESNS, despite the huge security flaws. And if you need more evidence of the company's disinterest in proactive security practices, look no further than the lawsuit now being threatened by ESNS against election transparency advocates who are hoping to secure elections this year with a security feature that is built in to newer ESNS systems. But apparently, ESNS doesn't want anybody to know about that for some reason. An attorney and an election integrity advocate that ESNS are threatening to sue with a lawsuit both join us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> Hi, this is Brad. My thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the Bradcast of any amount you like. We rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please grab a subscription at bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you. Uh -huh. You can't count on me like one, two, three. I'll be there. I'm still here. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Way, way back, way back in March of 2008. Uh, yes, more than 10 years ago, in an exclusive at bradblog.com in 2008, I reported... Sequoia Voting Systems, one of the nation's then largest voting machine companies, had sent a legal threat to Princeton University computer science professors Ed Felton and Andrew Appel, warning them of legal action should they proceed with an analysis of New Jersey's 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting uh, systems, as unanimously recommended at the time by an association representing election clerks across the state in a terse email obtained and published at the time, again, March of 2008, by the Brad blog. Sequoia's Edwin Smith, vice president of compliance quality certification, warns the university academics that the company had, quote, retained counsel to stop any infringement of our intellectual properties, including any non-compliant analysis. They said we will also take appropriate steps to protect against publication of Sequoia software, its behavior, reports regarding same or any other infringement of our intellectual property. Smith threatened in this letter to computer scientists at the time. The call by state election officials for this independent study of Sequoia's AVC Advantage touchscreen machines 
came in the wake of a finding that the systems had mistallied voter turnout totals across at least six different counties in New Jersey's February 2008 presidential primary election. During a post-election canvas, it was discovered that the number of voters for each party, as reported by the internal printouts on the electronic voting systems, failed to match the total of voters on the internal memory cards inside the very same systems in a number of instances across the state. Thus, the state clerks called for an independent analysis of what might have happened. They asked the Princeton computer science professors to do it. And then Sequoia, then the nation's third largest voting machine company, had threatened to sue those computer scientists from Princeton if they did so. The Sequoia Voting uh, System Company was eventually purchased by a Canadian company named Dominion Voting. Dominion is now the second largest voting system vendor in the U.S. Those 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that failed in New Jersey way back in 2008, they're still in use in the Garden State and will once again be used in this November's 2018 midterm elections. Sequoia's Ed Smith, by the way, went on to work for Dominion, as I recall, and he uh, then became a member of the U.S. Election Assistance Commission's advisory board. The EAC is the only federal body tasked, at least in theory, with helping to oversee the security of electronic voting and tabulation systems in the U.S. Lawsuits or threats of same, however, from these private corporate vendors who have been allowed to essentially take over our public elections, those lawsuits or threats, at least, are not unusual, sadly. And this week, it appears the nation's largest vendor, ESNS, is at it again, just weeks before the midterms. As our friend Steve Rosenfeld reported at Alternet this week on behalf of the Independent Media Institute's Voting Booth Project, one of the country's most dogged vote count transparency activists, John Brakey of Tucson, Arizona, and the small nonprofit that he leads called Audit USA, have been told by one of, the, uh, one of America's biggest voting machine makers to take down the instruction manuals for their firm's paper ballot scanners, from their website by this coming Monday or face a lawsuit, according to a letter that was sent in late, sep uh, late September from Timothy J. Hallett, the Associate General Counsel for Election Systems and Software, Inc., or ESNS. Brakey, who is a longtime friend of this show and the Brad blog, sees verifying vote counts as nothing less than a moral crusade to save American democracy from the dark forces that have colonized and privatized the ballot box, Rosenfeld accurately reports. Uh, Brakey's group, Audit USA, posted various ESNS manuals on their website for a simple reason. He says the, la the latest generation of high-speed Digital scanners used to tally paper ballots has a built-in feature that he wants all precincts and counting uh, centers to use, making an electronic image of every paper ballot cast and scanned by the ESNS scanners. The digitized ballot images can then be used, the group says, to verify election results, particularly when election officials disallow the public or anybody, for that matter, from examining the actual paper ballots in order to determine whether or not the nation's highly flawed and highly vulnerable 
oft-failed, easily hacked vote-counting systems have accurately tabulated the results of voters. However, as Rosenfeld reports, ESNS apparently doesn't want that feature to be publicized for some reason, along with other instructions for machinery that tabulates millions of votes. In short, this showdown, he writes, is a microcosm pitting a public right to know that vote counts can be at least somewhat transparent against one of the top players in an industry that profits by running elections behind an opaque veil as government contractors. Joining us now to talk about all of this is Emily Levy of Audit USA. She has been a leader in the election integrity movement, going way back to 2004, working on election integrity projects in her home state of California, as well as Ohio, Arizona, New York, Wisconsin, Nevada, and New Mexico. Her writings on election integrity have been published by The Hill, Op-Ed News, and The Brad Blog. Oh, I hear they are very good. We're also joined by Chris Sauter. He is, among other things, a longtime election attorney teaching elections, constitutional law, and the recount process at American University in Washington, D.C. He was an early advisor to Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders and even Al Gore back in 2000. He literally wrote the book on election recounts with 1994's Recount Primer, considered by many a definitive guide to election disputes. He served as voter protection attorney for the 2016 Sanders for President campaign and most recently served as legal strategist in Audit USA's case against the Alabama Secretary of State seeking to preserve digital ballot images on ESNS voting systems during the 2017 U.S. Senate special election. Emily Levy and Chris Sauter, welcome both of you back to the broadcast. Thanks Thank you so much. Emily, let me start with you. According to the ESNS threat letter against you and your group, they are claiming copyright infringement violations because you posted links to the instruction manuals that election officials and poll workers use with the uh, with the voting machines that they lease or sell to jurisdictions around the nation. Before I ask Chris about the legal issues involved there, why has Audit USA? found it important to share those instruction manuals uh, publicly on your website? Great question. So basically, we are trying to educate people, and in, by people I mean both voters and election officials, about a security feature in the newer systems mm -hmm. that are used to scan paper ballots. And those systems, ESNS is one of the companies that, that provides those voting systems that are called digital scanners rather than the old optical scanners. Mm -hmm. So it's the digital scanners that produce these ballot images. And what we've found from talking to election officials around the country is that a lot of them really don't understand the systems that, that they're using in their own counties. Mm. They don't understand why they need ballot images when they have the paper ballot. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand that, that in order to preserve the ballot images, all they need to do is not change the settings that the machines come with. So the, the default settings on the machine are to preserve the, the ballot images. Mm -hmm. And it's only by having someone, whether, whether a vendor working for them or the elections officials themselves, changing those settings that the, the ballot images get destroyed. So we want people to understand both the importance of the ballot images and preserving them, that it's legally required to preserve them, just as it is to pre preserve all election materials, and 
that um, that it's not a difficult thing to do. They'll say things to us like, oh, we don't have time to change the programming of the machines. And that's kind of like saying, you know, I would, I would um, make it quiet in the room right now, but I just don't have the time to program my phone ringer not to go on when you call me. Right. And, and you know, I spoke with, uh, with John Brakey and Chris, I believe, uh, months ago, several times uh, during the uh, legal attempt to force the state of Alabama to turn on that feature to capture the digital uh, ballot images, uh, not even to share the digital images with the public, but just to turn the feature on so that the uh, images would be available if needed uh, after the election. And you guys, uh, Audit USA, uh, you won in the lower court in that case. The Alabama Secretary of State, John Merrill, went to the Supreme Court on the eve of the U.S. Senate special election, uh, I think it was back in December, between uh, former Alabama Supreme Court Justice Roy Moore and now the Democratic Senator Doug Jones, and he got a stay on that ruling. But I ended up getting blocked on Twitter by the Secretary of State John Merrill, who was insisting that the voting systems in Alabama did not have this feature. And I politely said, yes, it does. Here's the instruction manual showing you that it does. So... Have you have you received legitimate uh, responses from election officials as as to why they refuse to either turn on this feature or or have turned off this feature, this security feature on their own systems, Emily? Well, by legitimate, do you what do you mean? I mean, there's no legitimate reason to destroy legally protected election records. So, have we received legitimate answers? Meaning, if they legitimately came from the election officials, yeah. But are there legitimate reasons to to destroy these records? No, there aren't. And did, I, did I get your your question right? Yeah, no, I think you did, and I think uh, you're making the point here that the machines will all create this digital ballot image when they scan the paper ballot in the first place. The question is whether they keep those uh, images or or set the system to not keep them and to destroy them. Do I understand your answer correctly? Right. The machines actually don't work without the creation of the digital ballot images. Gotcha. Because the way this, this technology works is that it's not the votes on the paper ballot that are counted, but it's actually the votes on those di- digital images that the system counts. I gotcha. And so there's uh, no vote count if they don't make the, 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 the digital images. Gotcha. And so uh, in destroying and not keeping those images, essentially that's a violation, or at least could be argued a violation of the federal law that requires those uh, all election materials to be retained for 22 months. Uh, Chris Sauter... Uh, in the federal election. In, in, in federal that, elections, that, what, right. Chris Sauter, uh, according to the uh, ESNS threat letter against you guys, they don't they don't seem to cite security issues here, but rather copyright infringement issues in your uh, group posting the the user manuals for these voting systems uh, that are used in dozens of states. Is there is there I guess I have to use that word legitimate again. Is there a legitimate copyright issue uh, or security issue since they don't talk about that? Uh, in posting these manuals as as your group sees it? Well, cease and desist letters like the one that ESNS sent um, Audit USA are a common form of intimidation. Um, these issues rarely get to court um, because either the, uh, the, the target of these letters decides it's not worth fighting them, mm-hmm. or 
the company that holds the copyright decides it's not worth fighting them. <laughs> so it ends up in a standoff. I'd be interested in learning what happened in that New Jersey uh, situation. I suspect uh, uh, they uh, did not uh, adhere to um, the demands of the cease and desist letter. Yeah, but, uh, as, as I recall, the voting machine company Sequoia, I, I think, backed down and that uh, analysis moved forward anyway. Um, the, the answer to your, your the, the legal question that you're asking is that mm-hmm. there is um, a doctrine in the law known as the Fair Use Doctrine. It's a well-established legal concept or mm-hmm. doctrine um, that allows a limited use of copyrighted material when that material is being used in the public interest, particularly uh, in the area of right to know. Um, A good analogy that some of your listeners maybe see quite often Mm -hmm. are in political ads. When uh, a newspaper is Mm -hmm. flashed on the screen in the middle of the ad, Mm -hmm. and uh, in the early days when when that first began to be used in political commercials, um, some of the newspapers filed lawsuits, and they lost because the courts held this is clearly within uh, the, the purview of the fair use doctrine, and um, and they don't do it anymore because they know they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not aware of any case like this where a voting machine company has actually proceeded with litigation, but um, I can just about tell tell you right now how it's going to turn out. Well, <laughs> they're I, I, not going to win. They're not going to win. But, but they, yeah, but you know, these companies have a lot of money, right? And uh, sometimes they figure, well, we can overpower them. We'll file this lawsuit and we'll try to break this little nonprofit. Um, in attorney fees, and and we'll set an example. So it's possible in this case that they they could file, um, but as I say, I, I really don't. Uh, I don't think that it has ever got before a court that they would stand much of a chance. So, Have you yet uh, responded uh, officially on behalf of Audit USA uh, to ESNS with your fair use uh, d- d- response uh, in response to their demand that you take Emily, down those materials? Emily, Emily, have we responded? Not to my knowledge. No, okay. you have not yet responded. No. And by the way, let me just uh, make no, make you go, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. I'm just upset. I believe they they gave uh, Audit USA ten days to respond. That's correct. Um, and so, um, you know, we can either respond or, or we can ignore. But uh, uh, right now, we're sort of taking our case to the public. The um, those materials uh, are posted. By the way, the uh, materials in question are posted at AuditElectionsUSA.org for anybody who wishes to see what all the fuss is about. You can see the uh, the letter from ESN, the threat letter from the ESNS, uh, cease and desist, as well as these uh, manuals, uh, which you know are used with the voting machines across that we use across the country, or shown to uh, election officials poll workers, etc. Uh, 
Um, Chris, uh, personally, I'm a believer that security by obscurity does not work. Uh, and that seems to be the, yeah. the opinion of, of computer scientists and voting machine experts as well. But if ESNS, if they had argued security issues rather than copyright infringements, would you have been any more inclined uh, to uh, either remove the materials or at least take their threats seriously? Uh, well, no, and, and this is really a consequence of the corporatization or the privatization of our election system that has been uh, going on for a long time, but accelerated uh, after the passage of the Help America Vote Act mm -hmm. in 2002 when uh, Congress allocated uh, $4 billion mm -hmm. for new voting equipment, and um, uh, the companies descended upon uh, counties and voting jurisdictions all over the country, yep. um, selling them new equipment that uh, really was not ready uh, to be placed on the market, that was not, uh, that did not provide uh, paper trails, and, uh, and that, you know, throughout uh, the past uh, 20, almost 20 years, I guess, been, what, 16 years mm -hmm. uh, since this equipment started uh, going online, there have been all kinds of uh, problems, with, some of which you cited. And um, now we're in a new generation. The, most of those machines are being taken, have been taken off the line. We're, right now, about half the country is now on uh, a system of digital scan. Uh, where there's a paper ballot fed to the machine. The, the uh, DRE touch screens have caused so, much, uh, so many problems uh, for the past uh, 15 years or so are now being moved off, and uh, their lives, the lives of that equipment uh, are now over, and there's new equipment coming in. And it's one reason why many activists have been very excited, because... Uh, these, the new digital equipment uh, provides something we've never had before, which is uh, the potential for transparency, which is why this situation is so ridiculous, uh, the situation of election officials destroying the, uh, the digital ballot images. Um, well. And why ESNS is a security? Uh, no, it's not a security. Um, it, it really goes to the whole issue of, of their, their ownership of the equipment, and they want to have a monopoly over how that operates and so forth. But uh, uh, there's really no security issue. There's there's clearly no copyright issue either. And I should uh, be clear that uh, though Chris Sauter uh, suggests the uh, touchscreen systems, the DRE systems are on their way out. They're they're on their way out, but they're taking their taking their time on the way out. I mean, they're used across the entire state of Georgia. They will be again in November. They're used in uh, New Jersey, Delaware, Louisiana, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pen Pen oh yeah. You know, one of the problems yeah. in the, the twenty sixteen. Uh, post-election presidential election review was in Pennsylvania that uh, a recount was futile yep. because of the DREs, those DREs, there were no paper trails. So 
there was no way to conduct a meaningful uh, recount in that state. And, and as you point out, there there are still a number of states. But I will say that uh, the Congress has appropriated more money. Uh, you can argue whether or not it is enough, but it has prompted some states uh, to buy more equipment. And there, there, there have been some projections that as much as 75 to 80 percent of the country will be on digital by 2020. I would argue... So there, there is movement. I, there, is, there is definitely movement. Uh, let me turn to Emily here. I've got just a minute uh, because I would argue that, uh, yes, there is more money going, uh, you know, being allocated by Congress. Uh, but it's going once again to these same private vendors. Um, uh, so I'm not sure how quickly this problem gets any better. To be frank, uh, Emily, uh, Audit USA has been since John Brakey really sort of discovered how these digital images could be used by the public to at least try to oversee elections. Uh, you guys have been working to encourage states to use this feature. Uh, we're just uh, less than a month from uh, one of the most important and contentious elections in U.S. history with a lot of very close races predicted. Um, uh, we know that Alabama has refused to turn this feature on. Have you received commitments from other states, other counties to make use of these digital images of uh, ballots, you know, if only to turn on the feature to make sure it retains them? Uh, any states, any counties, and how can the public otherwise figure out if their county has one of these systems and uh, you know, maybe encourage election officials there to retain these ballot images for potential use after November 6th? That was a lot of questions. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, so we're, we're at work in a number of states around the country, and um, we had a, a legal victory in Arizona. We filed a suit in a court action in Ohio, which while the court action was thrown out on a technicality as a result of the pressure that we created there, the Secretary of State um, issued a directive to all the counties saying that they had to retain valid images. We're trying to get similar directives in other states, and, and I don't have time to go through like what the status is of that in mm -hmm. all different states, but one of the things we are doing is coordinating volunteers calling counties that use these digital scan systems, calling the, the county elections directors and talking to them about it, making sure that they um, understand what the digital images are and finding out what their intention is so that we know who we need to educate or perhaps take support if they um, have the intention of destroying valid images. So I encourage people to go to auditelectionsusa.org and you can sign up there to volunteer. You can find out more about the issue. And there is definitely still time to take action on this before the election. I think I think it's actually really leveraged action to take. A few phone calls from one person to a county could result in making the election in that county a lot more um, verifiable by by the community by by retaining these valid images, which are part of a meaningful audit of of the systems that that create them. I also just want to say that I think it's really ironic that ESNS is going after us right now when, when after really fighting them and fighting all electronic voting systems for years, mm -hmm. now we're saying this system that they make actually has value to it in increasing the security of the election, and we're trying to make sure that it's used to its full extent. So 
now they could be they could and should be praising our work and helping us make it make it um, yeah. helping us amplify it, not fighting us when we're saying, "Hey, there's this system that's a lot better than what was out there before. Please use it. Yes, please use all the features that they gave you." Yes, you're actually lauding ESNS in a sense and saying, "Hey, yes. they got this great security feature. We'd all like to use it. Thank you, ESNS. Here's how to do it. Here's a manual on how to turn it on in your county as needed." Uh, I'm going to point folks uh, towards your website and yes, those manuals uh, at AuditElectionsUSA.org. Uh, you can get more information there. You can uh, find out how to, uh, you know, determine if your county has one of these newer systems uh, and how to help pressure, politely pressure your county uh, officials and uh, state uh, uh, secretaries of state to make use of this security feature, even as ESNS is threatening election integrity advocates. Uh, who are trying to uh, help the American public oversee our own elections. That's AuditElectionsUSA.org. Uh, Emily, are you guys on, on uh, Twitter or Facebook real quick? We're on Facebook. Facebook. So if we look up audit.com Facebook. U- slash audit.usa. Sla- uh, Facebook.com slash audit.usa. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, Chris Souter and Emily Levy. Appreciate the work you're doing and appreciate you joining us uh, today on the broadcast. Thanks so much, Ben. You bet. Stay in touch. Okay, i got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Going back years. You can also drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. And my thanks to those of you who help support the work that we try to do here every day by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Folks like me, folks like auditelectionsusa.org, we all rely on you to keep up this fight over your public airwaves and in our public elections. All right. That's it. Until we meet again tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 